you? I'm Batman. Welcome, podcast listeners of Gotham, to the Three Men in a Retrospective podcast look at the entire Batman franchise. To the Batmobile! This could be the break we've been looking for! Join Dark Knight Garrett Collins. You look fine. I didn't ask. Boy Wonder Matthew Goudreau. This is why Superman works alone. And the world's greatest podcast detective, Adam Bunch. Loose to plague us with his criminal conundrums. As they look at most of the cinematic incarnations of Gotham's favorite vigilante crime fighter. You must be joking. Do I look like I'm joking? From the Adam West, Burt Ward starring Batman 66. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. To Tim Burton's late 80s, early 90s take. I believe the word you're looking for is... All the way through Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson starring The Batman. Two years of night have turned me into a nocturnal animal. These podcasters take the rogues gallery journey through one of the most popular comic book franchises of all time. This town needs an enema. So start up your podcast mobile. Fortune smiles, another day of wine and roses. Or in your case, beer and pizza. <laughs> and make sure your butler doesn't let your girlfriend in on the secret. Has anybody ever told you you have a serious impulse control problem? That the percolated media, Batman Retrospective, begins now. Let's kick some ice. The Flash. Released. June 16, 2023. Budget is $220 million. Box office so far a combined $139 million. And this is directed by a gentleman we'll be talking about in a couple years when we get back to King's It, Andy Musciotti. All right, boys, I want to get on a soapbox for a bit, so kind of relax a bit because I have some things to say right off the bat with this movie. There has never been a movie that I have not looked forward to reviewing more than The Flash. I was against doing this movie <laughs> for reasons not just because it looks bad which i did think it looked bad i've always thought the flash character sucked just as a concept not because i wasn't excited for it which i wasn't it has everything to do with the lead actor in this movie this person has affected many families with shit that he has done he is a reprehensible person if you go into it he's done grooming i think there are things gonna that are come out that are gonna come out that we haven't even found out yet about this person and the fact that warner brothers and dc just went spring ahead with this movie with this person as the lead even as stuff kept on coming out about him is in my mind grounds for complete hate and i know people in a way like when i go off on and hate things but i think the fact that james gunn a person who i have heard is nothing but the kindest of people has come out in the press and has basically just towed the company line and instead of recasting this and instead of going ahead with a different vision comes out and says this is one of the best superhero movies ever made when there are pre-screenings is just in my mind completely unforgivable so I'm glad you opened up this recording by addressing the Ezra Fent in the room because it is an inescapable 
cloud that this movie, I don't believe, will ever get away from. I don't think there's an umbrella big enough to stay dry with all the shit that Ezra Miller has done in his personal life over the last two years. And I'm not going to go through the list because we'd be here all night. So independent of that, I think it is morally irresponsible and just flat-out insulting that Ezra Miller has been seemingly given a pass by Warner Brothers, the powers that be, and chance after chance as a person, as an actor, and the movie as a whole. Meanwhile, Ray Fisher, who for all intents and purposes has done nothing illegal or criminal, only spoke his mind, was basically put into witness protection. We have not heard much from him. I hope he's still alive and Warner Brothers didn't bury him under the swing set. (laughs) And in addition, this movie, despite all the turmoil and all the director changes, all the writing turnover, let this come out. While at the same time, eliminating Batgirl, which was already shot, already done, and starred an Oscar, a guy who just won Best Actor, Brendan Fraser, that movie's never going to see the light of day. Meanwhile, this has come out, despite all the start, stops, continues, and roundabouts. I think it's it's just bad business. It's it's it's. I think it's ethically irresponsible. And you're right. I thought the trailers for this movie, because look, I was going to see this regardless, because I knew I knew I was going to have to for the sake of this show. And, and that's a whole conversation we had had before all the stuff happened with Ezra Miller, because we knew that Batman was going to be in this. To what extent, we had no idea. But I, I will close with this before I pass it off to Adam, is that... To show just the, the hypocrisy and the, the hoospaw of Warner Brothers, they know that they should not be backing the star of this movie to the point where the marketing will lead you to believe that Michael Keaton is the star of this movie mm-hmm. and something called The Flash. So that tells me the powers that be know they're full of shit and are doing this for the sake of writing checks and I don't want to throw the hard work that people have done because it takes an army to put these kind of films together. But in in a world where they have eliminated a movie that cost $90 million that for all intents and purposes was just going to go to HBO Max with Batgirl apparently, and this gets a theatrical release, I'm scratching my head trying to find a, a good justification for this. It's uncanny. And I know people are going to start pointing fingers. I know they're going to say that, and that this is a very sensitive subject. And people are going to say, well, you know, what about Roman Polanski? What have, and what I'll say to that is, you know, Rosemary's Baby is a tremendous movie, one of the best movies ever made. I will watch that till the day is long. I will not watch anything he has made since his allegations were proven true for the same reasons. And it's a really weird line to walk when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I think with just with the stuff this person has done, and you look into it, it is a rabbit hole I went down earlier this today at work because it was a pretty slow night at work. And I sat in my office, and I was just going through thing after thing. And they have timelines, and Vulture did a, a whole timeline on things. that this, this isn't just getting into a few bar fights. This is completely scary things. Like I said, we haven't even scratched the surface of that's going to come out and yet warner brothers has put this person which i'm not even going to mention the person's name in the course of this podcast out for everybody to see it is so scary dumb to me and it's a big reason why dcu in my mind just completely failed with decisions like this in the way of whether or not i was looking forward to this movie what had me interested was that it was the flash 
I think of any of us, I would be considered a Flash fan, uh, especially in live action. Like the 1990 TV series, 91 TV series, that was something I watched with my dad and was very um, very memorable to me. So that when the TV show that DC did now started a decade ago, 11 years ago, that was a show that I watched with the full family, kids, wife. We sat and watched and absolutely loved CW's The Flash for the first four seasons that it was a TV show worth watching. Ezra Miller has been problematic with me, for me, through all of this. Not just because, you know, he's a fucking criminal and his actions of believe that pled guilty to a number of things, so I can say that without slander, but really also just a shitty actor. You know, I mean, sorry, but this isn't who I want. This isn't who I've envisioned as Barry Allen or Wally West or any version of The Flash. So... The opportunities to to switch this out, especially with the story that they were doing, was pretty monumental. The Batgirl thing, that doesn't bug me as much just because I do believe it was a, and it is, I do believe, an unwatchable, unfinished movie. As much as people praise Frazier and Keaton um, and Leslie Grace, I have seen nobody stand up for the producers and directors of that film that supposedly were already like eight months behind, tens of million dollars over budget, and needed like another year and another $50 million to finish what was only supposed to be a $30 million movie. So I understand the directors and people they had in place just completely botched the hell out of that. In the way of standing up for this movie, it really bugs me. But you know what? We see that with everybody that's got a stake in it. So from an executive standpoint, I understand it as much as I don't like it. And I'm a little more forgiving on that than I am James Cameron telling me that every new Transformers movie is the best Transformers movie ever made. (laughs) My big revelation, though, well, I'll save it for the end um, and what it means for the DCU going forward. But I wasn't extremely excited about this. The trailers didn't do anything to hook me all that much. Even the piss poor version of Pink Floyd's Time that they got for a cover for the trailer. I want to love it, but you took one of my favorite bands and took one of the worst covers that you could have done for that Mm. thing. I thought of you when that cover was out in that trailer, too. (laughs) Yep. However, this is one of my favorite Flash stories. There's an animated version. I know that Matt and I will probably hit on as we get into this, but I think that thing is a beautiful work of genius for DC Animation. I think the TV episodes that did the same thing are an amazing part of the Flash mythos. So the story that it seemed like they were going to be telling was one that I thought would be rife for a good movie. Full stop. And then I went and bought my ticket, and here we are. One more thing about the actor in question. I'm going to put it behind, and we're going to talk just about the movie, guys. But I I took a stand when it came to this in that I, I said in the beginning, I did not want to review this. And when Matt said it's on the schedule, I was I, I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to do it. <laughs> I did make a decision, though. I made a decision that I have not made in the 10 plus years that Matt, you and I have podcasted and Adam, you and I have done things together. I decided I was not going to pay to see this movie. I was not going to give this movie a dime, even a matinee, which in Reno is 525. I was not going to pay a dime to see this. So I did what I have never done. I got a turn to copy watched it at home. I took notes. I have everything about the plot. I have all the intricacies of it, you know, but I I just was not going to see this in theaters. And I know a a big part of our podcast is, you know, theatrical experiences. And I know you guys were talking right before we got on the air. You guys have theatrical experiences to talk about. I unfortunately do not because I was not going to give a dime to this. Okay. With that behind, Adam, you mentioned the trailers. Matt, you mentioned the trailers. Even with all that in my head, 
Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. We mentioned Michael Keaton when we did Batman last year. It should be something exciting, but I'm just with you guys. I was not excited when I saw him come up and say, I'm Batman. And Matt, you said all that marketing was done because of the person in question here. Like, we're trying to go all the way around the fact that this is a Flash movie by putting these things that they know people loved at one time front and center. So those trailers did not get it going for me. And I will say right now, too, I am sick of multiverse stories on screen. And I know they're a big part of the comics, and I know they're fun in comics, but when you put all that on the screen, it's just nostalgia for nostalgia purposes, and we get a lot of that in this movie. And it's something that I, I, I was not excited for that either. Matt, were you excited about the multiverse portion of this? Conceptually, yes. But I think we're starting to see, and I'll turn the floor over to Adam, because I know he's a comic book fan, much like I am. There's an advantage to doing the multiverse in a movie versus a comic. And that is... You don't have to read 20 other issues of a comic line that you don't typically do read or, or buy just to understand the multiverse component. With these movies, a lot of it, people are much more open to doing background research. So the multiverse is a good tool cinematically if it's wielded correctly. And we've had basically since... I don't know, Into the Spider-Verse, I think, is the first one I could think of that really took advantage of the multiverse. And we've had we've had Doctor Strange movie do it. We've had another Spider-Verse movie come out two weeks before this came out, mind you. Bad timing, Warner Brothers. But the, the problem with the multiverse is that... And, and we had a live-action Spider-Man movie that did it, which I'll be comparing this to appropriately when we get to certain scenes. problem with the multiverse is that... If you wield it incorrectly, you eliminate stakes and you become just a a relic harboring nostalgia for the past. And that's all I saw in these trailers with Michael Keaton. I thought it was cool that he was coming back 30 years later, but at the same time, nothing I saw in the trailers really excited me about his return. It was all when it was initially announced. That was a big story. And there was talk of maybe bringing in some other characters. So, above all, I'm not sick of the multiverse, but this is the this is the problem of doing it too many times. I mean, the the CW franchise did it with Crisis on Infinite Earth, which was a, a flaming dumpster fire for the most part. <laughs> like like that was so bad, I almost I almost had my hands in my head and screamed into a pillow. Parts of it were so bad. So the fact that this was a multiverse story did not excite me. The multiverse story is part of what did excite me for it. Uh, knowing what happens specifically in this with Barry, uh, that's what I like. Keaton coming back, at first I was against the idea, because Keaton has said that he was against the idea. I mean, that's kind of what Birdman was about. Like, he had no desire to go back to comic book movies whatsoever. He was tired of them. So I didn't think his heart would be in it. I think that changed. Also, this was supposed to be a launching pad for what Keaton's Batman was going to be in the DC universe. Whether you DC Films, DC Studios, DCU, whatever, whatever, whatever. Batgirl was supposed to be out already. This was supposed to kind of continue off of that. And then there was, and it's written, and it was planned that this would spawn off into a Batman Beyond universe with Michael Keaton. So that this was going to be a linchpin for many other things. And instead, 
DC Warner Brothers Discovery WBD trying to figure out their place in this film, you know, library right now. Why do I care? It just it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And yeah, this is the third multiverse story that I've watched this year. <laughs> you know, between Quantumania into the Spider Verse and this, it's an interesting way to go. I think though that. I think comic fans don't mind going to the multiverse. I think it's there. They know about it. But I think for a normie, I think it's a lot to to try to get them to understand. And I think the nuance and emotion that long-term readers and viewers have are lost when you try to distill it down, which is crazy because this is not a short movie. But the time is wasted in what they do with it, which could have been just making this feel like an emotional heart and that's missing it's flashpoint in name only and and impetus only not that that's a huge problem because we've seen these movies take titles of famous stories and basically not do them fully like days of future past they took the name and the idea of sentinels and going back in time and just made their own story with it it's what marvel does regularly Oh, yeah. Like, look at Age of Ultron. Look at the entire mm-hmm. Infinity Saga. You know, that's just taking the cover of Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet and doing your own version. <laughs> it's not a problem by any means, but the the Keaton thing, not that I want a third, like, his third movie, but if you were ever going to do not a straight adaptation of Dark Knight Returns, but, like, a cinematic version, it would have made far more sense to just do it with Michael Keaton as a one-off then try to tie it and basically, in their words, make him the Nick Fury of this universe. That 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 was an odd choice among a, a lot of other things that made me say, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's find out what the fuck we are watching. The, the development of this. They've been trying to make a Flash movie since the late 80s. Trying to make uh, a Flash Je- movie since before the Flash was a TV show. <laughs> Yeah, you Jeff had, like, yeah, oh God, yeah, that's right, Jeff Loeb, David Goyer mm-hmm. was going to do it at one point. Yeah. It was going to be Ryan Reynolds before he was, before he was Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. Sean Levy, he got, a, he got a hold of it, he was going to do it for a while, and then he was just like, fuck this, I'll just do Night at the Museum instead. Uh, interesting choice there. And then, you know, we had the guys from Green Lantern actually writing a version of it as well. This went through a lot of iterations. And then Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. They were attached for a bit, and then they decided to go do Solo. Boy, that went well. (laughs) They offered the choice between this and Aquaman to James Wan. James Wan said he thought it was a more challenging prospect to do Aquaman, to which I say, tomato, tomato. I mean, trying to make either of those characters interesting is a challenge to me. Did he make Aquaman interesting? Well, I'll give my take on that when we get to those movies. But the choice that I thought was really interesting was Seth Graham Smith. He was set to make his uh, directorial debut. He was going to be a director on this, and Zack Snyder and his wife, they were going to produce. It was going to come out in 2018, but then he left, citing, guess what, creative differences. Matt, I mean, Seth Graham Smith, what an interesting choice, huh? Interesting, yes. Would I have liked it? No, because I've seen Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Oh, yeah. I thought that was just a giant (laughs) hunk of garbage, and then he also did Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. (laughs) <laughs> that was also fucking crap. So that was terrible. Yeah, yeah I the, the the Lord and Miller treatment. I would have 
been most curious to watch that, considering what happened with Solo. Because I think their sensibilities suit the Flash, specifically a Barry Allen Flash story, because much like Green Lantern, there's, there's several people that have been the Flash in the comics. And it seemed like their heart would have been actually in it. But I also don't would not have trusted Warner Brothers to give them the leash that they probably would have needed to make it their own, because when we talk about Solo this year, Disney didn't give them much of anything. Uh, they, they brought in a guy who uh, worked on The Mandalorian, and he lasted a few months before he was, can- he was canned. And, <laughs> and they, they were thinking about, they really courted somebody who Matt loves by the name of Robert Zemeckis. Well, there's so much <laughs> bad visual effects in this movie. Adding Zemeckis would have made sense. <laughs> <laughs> and they also wanted Matthew Vaughn. Those were two choices that they were recording for this. I, Matthew Vaughn seems to be attached to everything, at least at one point or another, comic book related. Matthew Vaughn is exactly who I always dreamed of doing a Flash movie. Like, you look at what he's done, you look at the movies that he's made, comic booky wise action-wise, and he, his visual style, his shooting style, is what I dreamed of for a Flash movie. Well, it's very similar to Sam Raimi's, who was also offered this, and he yeah. decided to turn it down. Mark Webb? Turned it down. Jordan Peele turned it down. Ben Affleck turned it down. I mean, this thing went through so many hands. In fact, it's to the point where they believe, I I read somewhere, there were, at one point or another, a grand total of 45 writers attached to this movie. 45. That doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me at all, because, boy, do you see compromised visions up here. It's amazing. It's It's the exact same story that, you know, happened like with Black Adam hey, we're going to announce this at the beginning of our universe, and it's not going to show up until the end of our universe. All right. Well, they settled on Adam Muschiati, who had done the two movie versions of It. This is his first non-horror film, is this big, grand production. Matt, am I the only one who's thinking director for hire? (laughs) Cheap? I think this is a trend with with the Warner Brothers DC films. James Wan, David Sandberg. Both guys who had their roots in horror filmmaking that were responsible for making horror movies that made money and were part of franchises. Muschietti, those It movies made a ton of money. It's just par for the course with what they're doing. What was also weird was they announced he's doing Batman the Brave and the Bold, directing that, which is going to be part of James Gunn's reboot franchise. They announced that the week this movie comes out, and based on the box office returns, I honestly don't know if that's going to continue. I don't see that happening at all. And then they got one of Adam's favorite screenwriters, Christina Hodson. She's the one who is the final credited scriptwriter of this. So, I mean, man, you talk about a vision that just went through so many different iterations. I didn't realize The Flash had this many things. But is that because, is that because it's a complicated character or because it's just there's no way to make them interesting, Matt? I don't think they knew what they wanted this movie to be. Because remember, the Flashpoint story, like the big hook for that was, as a comic fan, it's a world where Thomas Wayne is Batman, and he's a murderous vigilante. He's basically Ben Affleck at BBS, where he has no qualms about murdering people. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan was saying, yeah, I want to do it. And I don't think you cast him and, and Laurie Cohen without having them in mind for that story. So I'm pretty sure during this entire process, they were going to have him, 
there was a part where Ray Fisher was going to be in the movie until they kicked him to the curb like a prom night dumpster baby. And now we're left with something that we got Michael Keaton. They somehow got Ben Affleck in this movie. It, it is amazing when you look at... The weirdest one was when they said Michael Shannon was going to be in this because I'm like, yeah, why are we tying this to Man of Steel whatsoever? I know. I know. We're going to pull, we're going to pull Superman into this. Well, and, well you know, also, I that's thought, a whole other thing for the record. What has Henry mm-hmm. Cavill done to piss off the people at uh, yeah. so much? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's what we were talking about in the beginning. This head actor has done so many things that are reprehensible and inexcusable, yet Henry Cavill and, and Ray Fisher are like, fuck you, we're, we're not putting you in anything. Like, are you fucking serious right now? Is it because he was in Black Adam? Is that the only reason? I, I, I don't know. You'd have to ask him. I think there's... I think we're going to find out a lot of stuff when this iteration of the DC Universe dies and they do the autopsy. There's going to be a five-hour documentary. What we're watching is the... Not to talk about this movie, but what's happened, this franchise, it is the equivalent of WCW. They, they got money. You know, Marvel was Vince McMahon. They wanted to take him down. And there there were so many cooks in the kitchen. You had, like, much like that where you had... All the different bookers, like, you know, Dusty Rhodes, Jim Hurd, fighting for power. You have new writers come in. It's the same goddamn thing with this DC franchise. Started out with Zack Snyder. Then, you know, David Ayer had his whole nonsense. We've had this movie with all the controversy. We had the Snyder cut. We had, you know, an Aquaman movie make a billion dollars. You have the whole Jared Leto thing. This is professional wrestling. Like, this is WCW to its fullest extent and and by the way like i feel like we're at wcw 2000 where it's kind of yeah we're kind of painful to watch and you want to put that out of its fucking misery i see you know uh hbo max did it like a five part actually no it was like a 12 part documentary on the nexium the cult that <laughs> that allison mack was involved in i see a huge documentary on this fucking whole iteration of dcu starting with batman begins maybe coming out in about 10 years there's just so much that has happened and this is the cult of of it. I think we're seeing the death of it right here, boys. I'm going to say right now, I think the box office returns of this, or lack thereof, combined with the box o- lack of box office returns for Black Adam, and the second Sazam didn't do that well, I think we're seeing this thing just hit the curb. See, I don't know, because I think it's people don't care about the Snyder version of the DC Films universe. I don't think they care about it finishing off. You know, I just think it's – they might as well just dump all this to HBO Max at this point because the amount they're mm-hmm. spending to promote it is – they're never going to, you know, get any of that back. It's, I mean, it's – fucking hey, what they spend? I mean, an extra $100 million just to promote this thing? Yeah. And it's it's a shame. But I don't – I don't see it as fatigue. I don't see these people getting tired of it. I think it's – people don't care of films that are going to be erased here very shortly. It's what Disney did or with Star Wars, you know, extended universe type stuff. When you tell people, hey, this no longer matters, people stop caring about it really quick. Sad thing is we also have two more movies to come out after this. Yep. And apparently Blue Beetle is going to be in James Gunn, so he's going to pull that. Oh, oh, they're saying that. There is no chance uh, in hell that, I, that Remy Reyes is showing up. And the only reason Aquaman 2 is going to come out is because Jason Momoa... I think he had some skin in the game. 
And uh, and the fact that the last Aquaman movie made a billion fucking dollars, not to say that th- this new one's going to replicate that, but I feel like that one, they have no choice but to release that. Because apparently Michael Keaton's in that too. Is he really? This, it was supposed to, I mean, all this stuff was supposed to start being built around him though. And they've screwed the pooch. I, I want someone just to put like Walter Hamada in the sharpshooter and just ring the bell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's just crazy to me. Once again, a franchise is putting all of its weight on James Wan's shoulders. This poor guy has had so much pressure put on him, and all he wanted to do was make Saw movies. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to make movies about killer puppets. Like, like Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This poor bastard. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, that's a lot of the preamble. That's a lot to get into, boys. I We had a much preamble with this as we did with Indiana Jones, for Christ's sake. But what do you say we go ahead and dive into the plot of The Flash and see if, it's, if it warrants uh, success? So we see who we know as The Flash. He's at a sandwich shop trying to get a sandwich in the first many awkward conversations had in this movie. Just as Alfred calls and summons him out. And in the most ironic of ironies, The Flash tries being a role model, telling a kid not to eat a candy bar. <laughs> The Flash takes off until he ends up in Gotham City as he saves a trucker from dying and Batman appears on a bat cycle. You know, I'll say this much. I feel Affleck is having more fun playing Batman here than I've ever seen him. You're right. It's sad that it's too little too late because now I see him as a fully formed Batman that would appeal to everybody. They've lightened up the costume, but not to the point to where it doesn't befit Batman. He seems more comfortable in the suit. It doesn't look like he was hitting Jack of the Box in between takes. He looked like he was into this, but maybe that's only because he had five minutes of contractual screen time. But it, it kind of pissed me off because I'm like, we finally got him in a right place and we're never going to see him again. As far as I know, I, I if I was a betting man, I think everyone that's currently in this Justice League, we're never going to see them play these characters again. Because I'm of the mentality, if you're going to reboot, you got to wipe everything out. And gun, that includes Peacemaker. I want that on the record now. Like, you you can't cherry-pick the stuff that caters because it came from you when you're ostensibly wiping everything else out. No. One, I can't stand this bat suit. uh, Man, I loathe this bat suit. I can't stand the way that it looks. I also think that ADR on Affleck any time that he's in the suit is pretty – it's not even a good sound to like. I like the bat cycle that that he's got, but right away I'm like – Oof, they're starting the Flash movie with two characters that are not the Flash, Alfred and Batman. Like They want us from the very, very beginning to realize that they're going to do whatever they can, when they can, to make us forget about Ezra Miller. So by starting it this way and ending it the way they do, like they're trying to kind of put parentheses around what this movie is. And this action scene is just god-awful. <laughs> I mean, the, the really? bike. Really? I found on, it fun as hell. Affleck on bike? Kind of cool, kind of fun. You know, I like that as much as I don't like the suit. But everything that the Flash does here, the problem is I've seen it. I've seen it multiple times. I've seen the slow motion with music going on. I didn't like it in Days of Future Past. I didn't like it in Apocalypse, and I don't like it now. All right. Wow. So this opening felt like a mix of The Amazing Spider-Man 2, when he's chasing down Paul Giamatti, and... (laughs) The comedy in this movie, it's fucking Superman 3, where (laughs) I find none of it funny. It's so broad to the point that it might as well be the siding of a goddamn house. And it's just obnoxious. 
like how many times can we can you do these jokes about trying to rescue people in slow motion with apparently they watched American Sniper and wanted to show that that is not the worst baby you've seen in a movie. We're going to oh, give you yeah. going to give you 10 of them at this opening where their faces look like they don't even belong on the same kebab. Mm. As far as the way Batman moves, I think it, it looks good. Adam's sort of right about the ADR. I think that's just because Ben Affleck wasn't bothered, couldn't be bothered after he actually yeah. physically shot his scenes. And quite frankly, I don't blame him. It seemed like he came back to the Snyder cut out of respect for Snyder. Mm-hmm. But even that, he didn't bulk up because we joked that he looks like a cancer victim in the, the scene with <laughs> Martian Manhunter. The scene yeah. with Martian mm-hmm. Manhunter. Yeah. Before I get too deep in the movie, I completely forgot about your guys' theatrical experiences. Matt, I'll save yours. Adam, how was yours, sir? Uh, you know, I went and saw it. I decided I was going to treat myself if I was going to do it. Saw it in Dolby Atmos. It was, I think I saw it with about 12 of my closest strangers. But it was on a Tuesday morning. As a point of, I don't want to say as a point of protest, because that just sounds fucking stupid. But I was not going to give this money, this movie opening weekend dollars from me. I just, I wasn't going to, so I waited as long as possible. And based on that, I got an amazing seat powered recliner the the sound was good the screen was good it was for the first time in the last couple movies that i actually saw in a theater i was finally happy with the production that they put up on screen from my amc which normally freaking sucks an ezra out of me matt i know you have a story well apparently i stepped into my own dc copy universe because mirror master was the projectionist, because this thing was crooked for the first... <laughs> for the first 15 minutes of this movie, the projectionist had it sideways, and everything was disproportionate, oh, which, made, which made the special effects look even worse, which, which I, I thought was impossible to do, because certain points in this movie, it looks unfinished as being kind. And again, I think it's just... adds to my argument that it's inexcusable that, th- that this is what they thought was good enough to justify all of Ezra Miller's bullshit. So, cops are getting involved with one flying in slow motion. As you guys mentioned, we've seen this a hundred times. Barry hears what he thinks is a stomach rumbling, but it's actually the hospital full of babies falling down, and we see a baby falling outside the window. (laughs) Nice comparison to American Sniper, by the way, Matt. Well done, sir. Barry accepts that he's basically the Justice League janitor, as there's always a bat mess that he's having to pick up. I like that part, but it's never brought up again. And to me, it's kind of true that, you know, Barry's called for help because Bruce and Alfred, you know, all their collateral damage. Like, there's a good point to be made there. And I thought it was going to get brought up later when we meet other Batman. But guess what? It doesn't. But I do think that's a, actually a funny part and a good point that Barry's basically called it in for mop-up duty. But it also Matt. begs the question, where is Superman in all this? Yeah, exactly. He's flying over a mm-hmm. volcano. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> I'll go ahead and say it's very cool seeing Batman deflect bullets and avoid the cops. But... Matt, you've already hit on this, but let's talk about it right now. The effects in this, less than stellar. Just (laughs) terrible all the way around. I was shocked at how repulsive some of these effects were. And I I thought Quantumania had some really bad stuff in it, too, especially if you've seen MODOK, unfortunately. This makes MODOK look like Caesar from Rise of the Planet of the Apes. This is, it's inexcusable, I'm sorry. I know visual effects artists get royally fucked over by studios on a repeated basis, but again, and I'll keep saying this, it just adds to my argument that this should not have been released. If you could not be bothered, and for the director to say, oh, some of these effects were intentional, you can go fuck yourself. Bullshit. Because yeah. I pay my hard-earned money 
to go see these movies. I want to see something that looks of the quality of what should be on the big screen. And, we, and we've seen yeah. some bad super, like superhero movies. These this is the worst effects job collectively in a superhero movie since X-Men Origins Wolverine. It, it's mm-hmm. it's that bad. It's that scene in the bathroom where he's fixing where he's adjusting his claws for two and a half oh. hours. <laughs> <laughs> they are really really bad. It is unbelievable to me just how terrible these movies, these effects look. And we, we, when we reviewed the Zack Snyder cut, he was given an extra $70 million to p- punch that up. That looks way better than this. And that, for a movie that costs over $200 million, that is so fucking inexcusable. It is unfathomable. And Matt, you're absolutely right. This should have been sent right to fucking HBO Max. This quality is way down. And when you go to a superhero movie, you are so right. You want to see something, not necessarily look real, but look good. I understand the filmmaker discussion when he says that that happens when he's in something that happens later on in the movie, but basically when he's in the middle of his time sphere multiverse and things look awkward. I can justify that as much as I don't like it. But everywhere else, when we're in, quote-unquote, the real world, when we're in whatever world it is, for it to look this this poor, and I thought Quantumania had abysmal effects. I still do. MODOK is just, like, Kevin Feige should quit. That's how bad Quantumania's effects work was. Like, Kevin Feige owes the world an apology. It takes away from all the MCU. Like, that's just how bad that movie is. And this here, I mean, at least it starts off making you think, oh my god, this shit can't get any worse, because the badness is right up on Front Street. It's inexcusable. It And they delayed this, what, because it was supposed to come out in March of 2022. They pushed it, punted it 15 months, quote-unquote, for extra effects work. I don't know where that effects work happened, but it sure as hell didn't happen on this movie. Maybe it's just Hamada sitting at a home fucking betting Bitcoin that he decided that that's effects work, but holy crap. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and even like Shazam 2, the effects were nowhere near as bad in that. Yeah, and they were bad, but they were not like this. Yeah, uh, I, and that's a, that's the thing I've noticed with a lot of these DC movies is outside of the ones that Zack Snyder has directed, because he's got a great visual eye, most of the effects work in these movies are, are pretty spotty. Um, you know, even Aquaman, as much as I like it, there's some renderings in that during the big battle mm-hmm. where it's like, it's, it's impossible to differentiate between who's who. I thought that the, the Putty Patrol and Suicide Squad looked like garbage. The first Shazam has those seven deadly sin monsters that never look like they're actually there. Yeah, it's just, it's a trend in these movies, and it's also a trend where, much like Black Adam, you can tell which actors in this movie wanted to be here versus the ones that did not. Oh, yeah. While Jeremy Irons is in this, I get the sense he was never on set. I get the sense that he Skyped his fucking performance in. <laughs> well, there's someone else in this. There's someone in this movie. I swear to God, Skyped in their performance. So it was the first yeah. cameo that shows up here. I think that was filmed the same time that did the other cameo for the other movie that just came out. Oh, yeah, we're getting there. So Flash finds some energy in the form of, of some microwave food because he had actually gone to the sandwich shop and was trying to... He was really, really hungry and... Now he's stuck in this battle, but we we have some microwave hot dogs going on here. And basically an entire snack shop, 50 floors up, as he finds the babies and rescues them. Alfred says that he's made him very proud, and Barry says the Justice League is not really good at getting professional help. 
Yeah, no kidding. There there are some moments in this movie that are way too self-reflective. Oh, my God. Yeah, I did like a triple take at some of the lines in this movie, for sure, especially when we start getting to cults and things like that. Meanwhile, Batman's flying through fire and bumping around the bridge before the armored car flies into the water, and he's about ready to lose the briefcase, but here comes Wonder Woman. She comes in the form of Crimes Against Acting Humanity, Gal Gadot, and saves the briefcase, and Batman takes a battering to somebody trying to steal it. Is this the Skyped-in performance you're talking about, Adam? I, yeah, there's no way that she was ever on set with anybody else, but it's amazing because it's the exact same way that she shows up in Shazam 2, where she's framed in front of a she's green screen. She's in that? She shows up, yep, wow. and she's framed in front of some green screen and never shares screen time with anybody else that was in that movie, and it's cut the exact same way here. I yep. had no idea yep. that she was in that. In Shazam 2, she is Deus S. Diana. Yep. And it, it is so bad. It, it, it's like this. Is she just doing cameos from here on out between this match? Yeah. Well, she's, not, she's not doing Wonder Woman 3. <laughs> I'm convinced she's like, look, you guys got me for one day and more like three hours. Which is why she, I think she did this and Shazam 2 on the same day. And she's smiling so much because they were waving the check off screen. <laughs> I'll say, though, and this is going to be the difference between me and Garrett, I like whenever she shows up, though. I think that Gal Gadot is a, is a very good Wonder Woman. I like her presence. Uh, when that music kicks in, I always feel energized. She brings a smile to my face. Well, the production is what does it all for me, and I'm going to say that when we get to that first Wonder Woman movie, is that everything around her is great. She is bad. And I said that on the Fast and Furious movies. I'm going to say that when we get to Wonder Woman. But... Wonder Woman is completely watchable, borderline great movie because of everything else around her. And I will agree with you on that. I think once the music kicks in and we see the rope, it's great. I actually really did like that. I got kind of a little bit of a chill. But then she starts talking. And then I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, and for the record, uh, Wonder Woman also has some very bad effects work. Uh, oh, oh, God. <laughs> yes, for sure. And, <laughs> Absolutely. I, I was like, you know what? You couldn't fly in Cavill to be in this scene, too? Uh, yeah. Because he, he's yeah. not shown what's so fucking ever. They have his goddamn silhouette later on. Oh, oh God. Jeez, he... Jesus Christ. I, like, I, they have given him the Bret Hart... They, they've given him the Chris Benoit treatment. <laughs> but yeah, here's the star of this movie, roaming around and going to the premiere, getting photographed. Oh, it fucking makes me so sick. All Henry Cavill has been is loyal to these fuckers, and this is the shit they pull. God, I hate DC. <laughs> Meanwhile, Barry finally gets his sandwich and is late to work and is given the you have a lot of potential line by his boss as he gives a speech about how the actions of one person is affecting families and they cannot grasp that. Barry is then visited by an old college friend who's asking about his father. And then he gets on the phone with his recast as Ron Livingston dad who tells him he needs to move on from him. What a downgrade. Holy crap. I don't mind Ron Livingston in the right situation. But Ron Livingston, in this part, uh, Billy Crudup is not exactly a master thespian in my eyes. But it was a, it was a bit of a head turner, though. When I looked, and I was like, "Oh, that's not Billy Crudup." Apparently, it's okay to recast that, but not recast your main star. Uh, that, that's point unbelievable. Number one. And point number two, uh, he, he's not a good. A- Ron Livingston is not a good actor. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. He was really good on Band of Brothers. That's about it. And you know, Office Space is. He's fine in that, but I, I think, much like Gal Gadot, everything around him is great, and he's just going through the motions. 
I wanted Lumberg to show up and just be like, yeah, if you could just, <laughs> you could just delay this movie and never release it, that would be terrific. Yeah, first, I just can't stand all the, everything in this office, his friends, his boss, like a couple of things. One, it plays no role in the rest of this film. I, the friends show up later in an alternate universe. I didn't even recognize they were the same people. Two, am I supposed to think that everybody working at this crime lab is like a 20-year-old millennial? Zillennial that just, I mean, they are annoying as freaking Ezra is. And it's just like a waste of like 10 minutes here. And then Iris shows up, and I didn't even recognize that it was the same actress. I thought they changed actresses. And I had to look up to it and realize it was the same woman, mm-hmm. strangely enough. But she, maybe it's because it's been so many years, but... She looks pretty different to me as far as I'm concerned. That's right. That is the same chick from Justice League, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. sure is. I didn't put that together. You yeah. also can't tell because in this one she actually has dialogue. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> and it's funny because it's, you know, Ron Livingston. I get him and Kyle Chandler freaking mixed up. <laughs> Kyle Chandler's a much better actor. <laughs> they're both the exact same stand in front of a green screen, do nothing actor. And I thought I was seeing this guy from freaking Godzilla v. Kong all over again, but oof. So we go to Barry's childhood home life. We get a flashback to this because we do have, I guess this is kind of an origin story. We go to his childhood home life with his mom, Nora, and dad, Henry. Henry comes home to Nora being on the ground, and here we are getting flashbacks from Flash. He takes off and runs some more. These running effects, again... Me and Jen watched Smallville last year. The Flash in that show had better running effects than we have in this film. Well, so the the Flash on CW had better. Yeah. <laughs> it's one, I could almost go with a, you know, he's graceful like a speed skater. Like, you could say mm-hmm. that once or yeah. twice. Eventually, he's got to look like somebody who has ever ran in his life. Okay, before this, I saw the, like, four-minute preview for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Say what you will, Tom Cruise can run, because that's all Tom Cruise does. <laughs> but going yeah. from watching Tom Cruise running and running and running to watching Ezra Miller is pretty damn distracting. Yeah, you think he'd be better at it, given how much he's run from authorities. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why this scene is here is because they never explained this in the Snyder Cut. No. No, that's exactly why, yeah. just in prison... And you only know if you're a fan of the comics or have watched either show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing, when this movie started, because I think they announced this, what, like, 08 or, or 10, something like that, like, really, really early on. But the comic book Flashpoint wasn't done until 2011. Yep. So when they started what this movie was, the story that it is now based on didn't even exist yet. And they've done two permeations of it since then. So it's... Yeah, like it's nice to see because yes, Henry Allen and being accused of murdering Nora, like it's a big, big deal. As much as I hate, I can't, none of us say can't, I hate the way that Ezra Miller runs. I like the running effects. I like the stretching because it feels like a rubber band pulling back and snapping. Mm-hmm. I like it whooshing by my head, especially the giant screen that I was looking at. I do think that looks pretty cool. I will also say I like this suit much more than the one in the Steiner movies. Yeah, he's finally got a decent suit. More flashes as we finally as we see Barry actually travel back in time. Ben Affleck and his one big scene as Bruce, he starts warning Barry about the dangers of time travel. But Barry says there are things that he can fix, such as him losing his parents. This is the one part I could I could have cut an easy forty five minutes out of this movie, and I would have gladly done it to get another three to five minutes of 
Bruce and Barry talking about loss yes. of parents and bringing them back, especially because of Bruce having to understand that that loss made him and trying to get that through to Barry. There is an emotional crux, and that DC has pulled this emotional part and it doesn't land here is unacceptable to me. But I do think that Ben Affleck is he's delivering a really good Bruce Wayne that looks pained and feels comfortable in the role. You could tell this is obviously right before he got back with J Lo. <laughs> yeah, I think he had, he had just left rehab. He's not toned, but he's also not fat. He looks kind of looks kind of thin. It's a good scene, but again, it just makes me realize that again, it's just more wasted potential. Because I think yeah. Ben like could have been the the best Batman, and he's never had the the full fledged chance to because he's barely in this. I guess he holds the record because now he's the first person to play Batman in four movies. Four movies. Four movies yeah. And has never had a Batman movie. Yeah, he's never had a solo movie. You know, they always say never say never. Maybe if they do Dark Knight Returns ten years from now, he does it. Because, look, that that's the one story that people have taken elements from, but no one's officially done it in live action. Part of that is because of who's required to be in it. If you do it scene for scene, because Flashpoint, there is a... You know, there's a lot of deviations. The big one is there, there's no war between Wonder Woman and Aquaman. There's no reverse Flash whatsoever, which is strange considering I thought that's what they were teasing yeah, in this with the actual, like, seeing the... You don't see the murder of his mother. They just cut to the body. I thought they were going to reveal that, whether it was Zoom or Thrawn, we were going to get another speedster. I know they asked Christian Bale to come back, and Bale basically gave them the speech, well, well if you run it by Chris... Nolan and he and he approves of it then I'll go ahead and do it well they didn't go that route why wouldn't they ask Pattinson to come into this the record and I'll say this now I thought that's who was going to show up at the end I had no idea it was going to be who it turned out to be I don't think anybody did I sure as hell didn't this would have been a cool way at the end to announce who the new Batman is because it's weird like you've got You've got in certain timelines the same actor can is both Barry Allen's or Ezra Miller, but yet we have multiple Batman. Zod looks the same. It's it's really weird. it's got the No Way Home problem because that's also the problem with multiverse. And this in particular, you really have to set rules, and, and this movie doesn't. Outside of this movie, has to come out over over someone's dead body, and I think that dead body is Ray Fisher, and that's why we haven't heard from him. <laughs> <laughs> that, mm. I really think that Pattinson has no desire to be part of this whatsoever. I think he signed on probably like with the clause that he is not going to be part of a Justice League team. And I think that's why I, you know, there's no chance of him showing up. I think when that Elseworlds logo shows up in Batman 2, it's really going to solidify that that's its own thing. I don't know. I think it would have been a good way to show a new Batman, a new super, you know, if they were far enough along. I think they had those opportunities. But I think that the way they should have done that is as soon as the multiverse goes into a different universe that was your chance to give us either grant gustin or a completely different flash and that could have set up your next phase or your next dc universe and they screw themselves by not doing that because that's your easy out right then and there you the first time he goes back in time it is a different universe it's a different flash and you don't have to it, you can make a shorter movie like you don't have to spend a half an hour explaining it people get it but yeah, it's the same problem that we had even with uh, with Multiverse of Madness. All the Doctor Strange are the same, but every other character changes. It's it's convenience for convenience sake. Yeah, it's all based on scheduling. At the end of the day, it's like <laughs> it's like it's like all right, who can we get? 
uh, yeah. in a lot of these. He's and, available. And Grant Gustin mm. is still young enough to be the Flash for like another twenty years. Who oh. is Grant Gustin? He CW played the Flash. Yeah, he was the Flash on CW. Oh, oh, okay. So yeah, I was only did. Bring him in, but leave Steve Amell the fuck out of here. Oh yeah, get, yeah, keep him away. Well, Steve, yeah, God knows Steve Amell doesn't care about anybody but Stephen Amell, so he won't show up. Mm. And somewhere, you know, we'll get to it in a bit. But I was like, oh, I'm really missing Melissa Benoit right now. Oh God! Oh my God! Oh. I was missing Helen Slater. Bruce drives off in his Uber exec car as Iris goes to Barry's house, and Barry is getting beers from a Raquel Welch poster. Uh, nice, you know, that's uh, um, Shawshank. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what that's from. Well, for the we'll record, that. Stephen King also said this is one of the best superhero movies he's ever seen. Yes. <sighs> you know what? Stephen King also promoted the Boogeyman, so... So, despite Bruce's warnings, Barry comes up with the idea of going back in time and preventing his mom's death. He gets to the supermarket to prevent the death and then runs away again. He gets literally knocked out of the space-time continuum before going home and actually seeing his parents. Who is this that knocks him out? I didn't see that. I, could, I couldn't tell who that was. Oh, yeah. That's the villain that shows up at the end. It's Oh, oh, okay. It's the toy that got spoiled a month ago. Thanks, McFarlane Toys and Pop and Lego for fucking putting out a toy that's Dark Flash. And for those that watched CW's The Flash, it's Savitar which is the main villain from season four. It's like the exact same rhyme, reason, everything, even color scheme, but here it's just Dark Flash. It's amazing the what this is stealing just broadly from other media and doing it so much worse. Barry eats spaghetti and then talks about his day at school before Barry notices 2013 Barry, and here's a scary thought, two of these people. Oh, <sighs> Barry tells 2013 Barry that being a hero sucks, and he builds and unbuilds a fort. Modern Barry thinks about punching his 2013 self, and he can't believe that his 2013 self is not only going on a date with Iris, but he also doesn't do his own laundry. I'm thinking of punching 2013 Ezra, too. Oh, yeah. That would be a good this idea. This is one annoying fucking character. Like, yeah. at least older Barry starts to kind of tone down a little bit, you know, and uh -huh. not as bad. But these two side by... Even his voice, his laugh, mm -hmm. like he is ruining his own movie. Every God dang, it's bad. It's really bad. Matt hit on it earlier, and I want to go ahead and I'm going to piggyback on it and say the comedy in this, all of it, is pretty bad. And he is not helping things. His laugh makes Tom Hulse and Amadeus sound like ocean waves hitting the beach. <laughs> At least I buy that they're two separate people, which is always a challenge when you have the same actor playing mm -hmm. multiple roles. You know, this is not the parent trap where you just where you where you just copy and paste so it's the same actor. But is he supposed to be eighteen or is he ten? Because sometimes he acts like he's ten, and sometimes he acts like he's he's in college. He's written very inconsistently. He, he's annoying. You're right. A lot of it's just unfunny. Yeah, bad, bad call. Everybody involved. Just, I'm, I'm squirming in my seat at this point. Yeah, I do. I will say that you brought up a good point, and I'm going to give it a compliment. It looks great with them on screen together. Uh huh. The the work to make it seamless when they're interacting with each other. I've never seen a movie with somebody playing the same role look so good, ever. You don't have to worry about crossing the plane. You don't get any of those tricks that I know what to look out for. It is 
seamless, and I will really, really credit Muschietti and Miller for pulling that off the way that they do, because I do think it's done in a way that I've never seen better in another film. I guess you can only do it with shitty human beings, because the only other time it worked well... <laughs> The only other time it worked well was Army Hammer and the Social Network. Oh God, that's right. God, speaking of people oh. we will never hear from again. No, yeah, right. <laughs> with a voracious appetite. And I'm sorry, okay. writers. Just because you call out that he's obnoxious does not exonerate you. And and it's such a lazy fucking way to go after the people like myself who complained about how annoying he was in the Snyder movies. But they they color younger Barry in the colors of his arch nemesis. Yes. So this entire film, I'm waiting for him to be Eobard Thawne, Zoom, and it doesn't happen, but they're making allusions with his outfit that he is going to be freaking Professor Zoom, and that it doesn't happen just pisses me off. Oh, you guys are speaking so much Chinese right now. The, the reverse flash, which is okay. his quote-unquote greatest villain, is yellow, where Barry is red. So younger Barry wearing yellow the entire time, it just seems that he's going to become Eobard Thawne. I guess they couldn't get Michael C. Hall, and that's why they didn't do it. <laughs> he's like the one person everyone wants to play that character. So Eobard Thrawn, is that what you said? Eobard Thrawn, uh-huh. He is yep. the anti-Flash. Reverse. reverse Flash. Yep. Uh, okay. And for the record, we have a Flash movie without a Flash antagonist. And yeah. the Flash, for the record, has a very good Rose Gallery. Very uh, good, yeah. You know, he's got Reverse Flash, Captain Cold, Mirror Master, Gorilla Grodd. Uh, Trickster. Trickster. There's a, there's a lot of really good ones. And they picked General Zod. <laughs> <laughs> Trickster had a couple Michael good songs in the, ni- in the 80s, I thought. <laughs> Michael Shannon must have had a three-picture deal, and <laughs> it must have been a contract theme to get him back. Well, they asked him, and he wasn't sure whether he wanted to come back because of how they treated Zack Snyder at the end of his run. And right. so he went to Snyder, and Snyder said, you know what, you want to do it, just go ahead and do it. Yeah. And since he got his approval, he went ahead and came and did it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the second the check cleared, he went on the press and started bitching about it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he's another one who's been defending the lead of this act, of this movie too. So yeah, and for the fact, shit list. Yeah, since this is where they also introduce that, like, this happens to be the same day that General Zod is about to come down looking for a super person. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Uh, is this where we also get the the, the Man of Steel retcon where Barry was in Metropolis? All right, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Just hold on a sec, all right? So modern Barry's realizing that he needs 2013 Barry, but he's on a path that won't get him his powers. So he takes him away. They both get to the lab, and they get struck by lightning. 2013 Barry he loses a tooth, and in an attempt to escape, he runs into a wall while also realizing he can't run as fast anymore. So now he's lost his power, so we're going to this trope as well. Yeah, and it turns lightning bolt. Oh, God. And they're trying to do this, the same dynamic they did in Shazam, the first And it's a fucking Back to the Future thing, too, where he's going to get his powers back with a bolt of lightning. Yeah, so does this make Michael Keaton Doc Brown? <laughs> <laughs> he almost looks like him when we first meet him. So Flash goes around the city, and more, in shan- more shenanigans ensue, including car crashes, tables falling from moving vans, and Barry getting naked in the middle of the street. He shows back up to Barry's place, and they go over his powers. God, hearing Mentor Barry 
he sucks. <laughs> like, like him being a mentor is like, really? Like, he's going to mentor this person who's never had these powers? Oh, There's also sucks. another problem. The entire crux of this movie makes Barry prime, I'll call him, because I still have Transformers on the mind. <laughs> Makes him entirely unluckable because Bruce tells him this is not a good idea and he does it anyway. And how long has it been since his mother died? Like, it's not like this happened two days ago. Yeah. And he's still over it. I question all the decisions that went into writing the script. And this is one of those things where I think you can really start to see the different versions of this movie because it feels like a hodgepodge of ideas that are just piling on to one another to the point where it doesn't really make a lick of sense. No, there's four different movies going on here at least. And none of them are good. <laughs> so as modern Barry tries explaining everything that's going on, he turns around and 2013 Barry is asleep. But Barry finally puts the suit on, saying his dick hurts, and he needs <clears throat> to go back to the future, where in this time continuum he's being played by Eric Stoltz. Really? We're going to bring this up? This I get that we're going back laugh. in the future, but this this made you laugh? Are you out of your mind? This, because if you don't know, you have no idea. So, yes, the fact that they actually went to the Eric Stoltz, and then by association, every other movie that would have had somebody else play that role, it made me chuckle. The, the top gun joke made me laugh about the, uh, <laughs> the, gay, gun. The, gay, the gay playlets. Adam, you're married, and Christina Hodson is spoken for, so you can just stop right now. Oh, all right? she, no, she's on my shit list after her last couple films. <laughs> <laughs> but 2013 was when that other disaster, Man of Steel, takes place. And this is when Barry discovers the upcoming distorted video of Zod telling Superman he is here right before his entry into Metropolis. So here we are, Matt. Barry tells him that he needs to get to Metropolis, not to stop Zod, but to save the people. Barry's roommates show up and he introduces his own self as his cousin. So what is your problem with the Metropolis part there, Matt? It makes Superman look even worse than Man of Steel. That's true. even the Flash <laughs> saved one person, and we weren't told until this movie that he was in Metropolis. <laughs> that is so true. Like, these movies, <laughs> as we get further away from Man of Steel, the more they try to justify Superman not saving people, the worse he looks, because both yeah. Bruce Wayne and the Flash saved children, which is far more than he did. <laughs> He saved the city when he killed Zod. <laughs> oh, I, I, I was waiting for the moment in this movie. Adam, hold it. Yeah. We will get there. <laughs> yeah, I will say for the record, it's good that we that we have not done Man of Steel yet because you can't talk about Michael Shan's performance in this in comparison to Man of Steel because no. Zod is barely in the fucking movie and the seats he is here, I'm pretty sure he Skyped in and they digitally inserted his face on that fucking armor. Even Fiora's here, too. They brought her back. I couldn't remember. I couldn't figure out if it was the same person. Because it looks like it, but it looks like... You know what? Disney World just created this Tron toy where they'll scan a picture of your face and put it on an action figure. And that's what Zod and Fiora look like here. She doesn't get a line. No. No. no and that's one sure, mini that, fight. That is not the same non, either, not even non, but that's not the same ogre, as he calls them, no. either. So Barry sees that Fisher isn't cyborg yet, and the location of the super mermaid, as he calls it, is not attainable. So he calls Tamora Morrison here as Thomas Curry, whose wife is not the queen of Atlantis, and Wonder Woman does not exist, 
and Barry starts discovering that Arthur was never born, and he completely destroyed history by doing what he did. No, because Nicole what Kidman. About this, Nicole Kidman will show up to promote every single AMC movie, but she will not show up for this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> not only that, I have to admit, I laughed at the Wonder Woman magician page. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I thought yeah, it was going to be Diana was a stripper in this world. Because they say if Victor Stone's alive, he's just he hasn't had his accident yet. Is there anyone they they yeah they. They just named everybody, dude. Everybody is not here. Yeah. Uh, well, there is a Batman, but it's not the Batman. That... Yeah, exactly. So we see a Back to the Future tattoo and that Michael J. Fox was in Footloose and Kevin Bacon was in Top Gun, as you guys mentioned earlier. I don't know. I think I think Muschietti, he thinks he's way smarter than he actually is. Because he's thinking this Back to the Future joke is a great reference to the fact that they're going back in time. But to me, I, was, I just kind of groaned. I don't know how much I can blame Muschietti for any of this movie, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. Because I think they, they put his name on it just so they could pass the DGA's seal of approval that this movie actually had a certified director. Oh, not only that, I think uh, I think because they could not use the, hey, we greenlit Flash 2 bullshit that they do whenever a new movie's coming out, I think that's why they said, hey, guess who's directing Batman? And I think they did that only as a way to goose this movie. There is no way in hell... This guy's fucking directing The Brave and the Bold. Not a chance. So they head out to Bruce's mansion, where Barry discovers he paints and that there are bells for every room, and the two Barrys have a fight in the kitchen. They find Bruce, who's now long-haired and beardy, and as he serves spaghetti, he puts together the branch timeline that Barry left, and he describes it as a hot mess. No fucking kidding. (laughs) All right, so Michael Keaton... Yeah, let's talk about that. This does not feel like his Batman from those birds. It doesn't. Whatsoever. No. And it's everything I was afraid of, where there is no justifiable reason for them to have chosen this Batman in particular outside of, well, Michael Keaton would get butts in the seats. Because they don't really reference his backstory or what he's been through. Hell, they don't explain why he retired from crime fighting. He's fucking... uh, Robin Williams and Jumanji, when he comes out of the board, after all those years where he's looking homeless, and mm-hmm. I, I was very, I was kind of disappointed by this. There's parts of the movie where he's committed, and there's parts of it where, like, anytime he has to do a reference, like the you want to get nuts line, or some other stuff, he really looks like he doesn't want to have to do those. Because he said for years, like, I don't really want to play Batman again. And it also commits the problem of, we're going to pretend the Schumacher movies didn't happen because we don't reference those, but yet we're going to pull something out of our ass at the end because we could. So technically those movies still count. Everything with this just doesn't, is really miscalculated. It was really miscalculated. That's a great way of putting it. Like, I, I, and I was expecting, you know, to him to explain what happened to Alfred. We know what happened to him in real life, but he died of McGregor syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> There are so many things they could have done with this, and you're absolutely right. They don't do it. Is it because they're afraid of duplicating Dark Knight Rises? Like, what exactly is are they doing here, Adam? It, see, it's tough because, yeah, it, it does have that Dark Knight Rises, which was a take on the Dark Knight Returns. But I'm going to say I like Michael Keaton in this other than the way he's introduced. This kitchen fight thing, I fucking loathe. Like, I just can't stand it. Once they break it down... It, and I can't stand the eating scene. Because, one, I hate listening to the sound of people eat. 
<laughs> and I hate Ezra Miller. But guess what? I got to listen to two Ezra Millers eat multiple times in this fucking movie. <laughs> Enough that they're lucky I didn't throw something through the screen. Oh, my God. But I'll say, using the firm spaghetti to kind of show, you know, strings and then the spaghetti to explain the multiverse, that works for me. And once we get Bruce after this scene, I like him in this. I think the choice is, yeah, because he's going to get asses into seats. You obviously can't get Val Kilmer. The other person I don't think is going to do a full movie and I think would make this even worse of a joke of a film than it already is. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to get with one, you're going to get Keaton. Because you're not going to get Bale at this point. Bale doesn't give a shit. And if he comes in, he's going to be less interested than Michael Shannon. I would I, don't, I would have just axed Batman from this completely. There's really no reason why it has to be Batman of all people. They just say, oh, you're Batman in this universe and we need you. They also, he goes with them way too easily. He's like, all right, I'll help you. Fuck it. Yeah, there's and, no and real also, scene that establishes his reasoning for actually teaming with, him, with them. Like, the whole point ugh. of, like, I, I hate on principle Batman retiring because Batman, like, the core of that character is that he will, he does this forever. The only time it worked was Batman Beyond. And the reason why he retired was because he resorted to pulling a gun on a criminal. Um, mm. You realize, like, oh, that's it. Like, I have, I have crossed the line and I can't physically do this anymore. Which, again, Michael Keaton in this universe has not been Batman for a very long time. The minute he gets back in that suit, he has no problem. I do think it's a missed opportunity to not use Jeffrey Dean Morgan in, in this role. He would have brought the physicality. It would have been awesome. Because Flashpoint Batman, what, the suit is a great-looking suit. And you would have had Lauren Conrad be the Joker, which is what happens in Flashpoint, is that Martha goes crazy because Bruce is the one that gets shot in the alley. So she becomes, she basically snaps and becomes the Joker. Like, there's a... Oh, wow. Oh, it's Shakespearean and it's tragedy that way. It's one of the two books that Jeff Johns wrote well. <laughs> because he stopped doing that. <laughs> he has stopped doing that. Um, it's basically that and uh, Blackest Night. <laughs> yeah. All of his Green Lantern stuff is great, and that one Flashpoint is great. But if you had Thomas Wayne be Batman, then you could actually have some thematic subtext about Barry losing his mother, Thomas Wayne losing a son, yep. and his wife. Um, You would actually have something there. He has no connection to this Michael Keaton Batman because we don't learn anything new about him. We don't know why he hung up the suit, and he's never been, even in those movies, he was never really scientifically minded, so how the fuck does he know about multiverses and all that shit? Yeah. And this doesn't even feel like the same house. To me, this feels like the Affleck mansion. It doesn't feel like Keaton's mm. mansion. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the one that he was in the, with Kim Basinger. Like, it doesn't feel like any of that. Like, this, this feels completely nonsensical to what's going on, and... <laughs> This is so underwritten and so poorly done that once he got in the suit, if I didn't care before, I would have like, like not even cared by the time he got in. There was one cameo, though, that would have I would have cheered if they showed up. You Chris him, O'Donnell? No. You, you, well, if he showed up at the end with Clooney, I would have applauded. I mean, he was still his band servant. Yeah. And Flash goes, why is this 50-year-old band with you? Because you see someone, before you realize it's Bruce, like walking towards them in the kitchen. If that was Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, shit. And in this universe, like, in this universe, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle actually hooked up and got married. I thought they uh, did. I was convinced you. That would have made some sense. I was convinced she was in this, and I was so disappointed when she wasn't. Because she's, like, the only person that people would actually, aside from Michael Keaton, be excited if they showed up. Because nobody would want to see Kim Basinger. 
No. But then again, I, I watched I watched Quantumania, so I don't know if I need to see her in any other superhero movie ever again. You know, it should be said, too. You guys mentioned when we did Batman last year that the Batman 89 comics are remarkably good. And I picked a couple of those up. They are very good. There is still something to be done with this character. There's still something that this character that resonates with me. You know, not just because I was 12 years old when that movie came out and I loved it so much, but the fact that that character was such a cultural mind blower at the time, you could have done something with that. You could have done something with how he has lost his way. And now this is where he's ended up. Instead, we're just here. He's old. He has long hair. He has a beard. This is Jim Carrey in Bruce Almighty. This is not fucking Michael Keaton's Batman. Well, you know, imagine, just, imagine if Jim Carrey was in this somehow. Like they go, oh God. they go to Arkham, and he's one of the inmates. <laughs> but but apparently, it's just, the Schumacher movies don't count though, because they said in an interview that like only Batman Returns and Batman have happened. Yeah, so they're doing the whole Superman thing where they're just discarding three and four. Which again, um, the fact that Clooney shows up at the end even more egregious. Yeah, bizarre. But you know what I'm saying, guys? Isn't there something you could do with this character that is more interesting than what they do? There is. I think. The idea of him being the Batman Beyond version would work because Michael Keaton still physically, he's not decrepit, but he's also old enough to where, and that Batman was demented in a way that it'd be kind of scary, the idea of him taking on a, a protege, but it also would redeem him in a way that if he was so guilty about him killing the Joker like the stress of doing that has weighed on him so much and he has to recoup that mistake. Or you say, make Schumacher's movies canon, Robin got killed on a mission, and he takes on Terry McGinnis to rectify that mistake. There's plenty of stories you could do with an older Michael Keaton-specific Batman. Yeah, no, I agree. It, the problem is we take half the movie, a little more than half the movie, before we get here. We started with some really good stuff, well, so-so stuff, but then we spent the last 45 minutes with freaking Ezra on Ezra, and that shit got old really yeah. quick. So you cut that in half, you got an extra 15, 20 minutes to understand why this Bruce is in the situation he's in and why it matter, why it's his redemption to also come back. And, yeah, you, you got something there. But they don't because it took way, way too long to get here. You know, and thankfully it gets better once we're here, but fuck. Should have been here 20 minutes ago. And he was just Vulture, what, four years ago? Five years ago? Well, something like technically that? last year, if you saw Morbius. <laughs> oh, well, f- fuck that. Oh um, no, like, at this point, seven? It's been a while. Set, okay. Yeah. It was, oh, wow. So it's been that long. Six. But still, like, he's still physically able to walk around. He's still able to. You could have done something with this that was interesting, and they just decided not to because they wanted to live on that nostalgia. Yeah, no, he looks good, you know, yeah. except for the ascot, which I don't get other than hiding old man turkey neck, but he looks yeah. good. He doesn't really have that, though. Like, he's... No, which is why I don't get it, <laughs> but it stands out. Like, if that was Val Kilmer, you'd have to do it because of his throat. Yeah. And it's also weird, he's the one him and Christian Bale are not. I think Christian Bale could have done it because, look, he made Terminator Salvation and Thor Love and Thunder. He's not above... No. Taking a paycheck at this point in his life. Absolutely not. He did Love and Thunder, you're right. Actually, that would be cool haven't if, seen. They got him, if they got him to play the Joker. <laughs> Shit. So, 2013, Barry is shocked that Bruce Wayne is Batman, and Barry begs him to help them. 
They go down in the Batcave and find the Batmobile, which 2013 Barry says he used to see on the news as a kid. <laughs> I, I, I giggled when I saw the Anton first Batmobile. Did you? Yeah, enjoy I, that I, because it doesn't leave that fucking spot. It's just I, there. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, we're, we'll talk about this. You know that scene in Force Awakens where Finn pulls out the ball that shot lasers? <laughs> uh, and that's and it. Luke's training? It's the equivalent uh-huh. of that. Where it's just, mm-hmm. hey, remember this thing? It's not remember. a story. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got plans to go to Hollywood Studios. I might have to go to the WB tour because that's about as much as the member berries that this showed as well. Because they literally, yeah, you're right. It's like, ooh, look at this car. And we'd never see it again. We then get a very bizarre monkey monologue. What was this shit? I, I didn't even realize his mom called him monkey. I couldn't tell what she called him. So it was some fight about the monkey because mom called him monkey. Okay. And other berries were darts at the monkey when older Barry kept that monkey because it was a toy for mom. This feels like a Goyer anecdote. This this seems like stuff added in later to try Mm -hmm. to get more emotion, and it's really poorly done. Mm -hmm. They then decide to head to Russia. But armed with the Elfman score, Keaton reemerges as Batman. Here's why I burst out laughing. Why does he have the bat suits upstairs in his office? Yeah. They were in the fucking bat cave in his previous movie. <sighs> he takes off with the two berries in the plane as the berries are asking how they're going to get Superman. And Barry has an awkward moment with Batman as he grabs hold for a ride up and Batman goes, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> This is all just weird. They make a scientist throw up as Batman takes a bunch of guys out. More gunfights ensue as Batman pursues Superman. And I have to say, I liked seeing Keaton Stuntman back to perform Batman-like things. Like this was kind of... <laughs> yeah, but this Batman could do a full sidekick at least. Yeah, and he can actually turn his head. Yeah, but he those wings get popped out and he swoops down more than this single film that he did in both of his other ones. But it looks good. Elfman's score is kicking in. Just, it brings back that nostalgia just every time. That, it, it does something. I, I, like I, felt, I was just going to say, I would have felt more if this actually felt like that Batman. They escape a blast as there's a nice callback to 89 when Batman asked them how much they weigh. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that coming from a mile away, but it still, it, that worked. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that as well. We then get the introduction to Supergirl as she's kicking ass. What do we think of Supergirl, boys? Why is Let's she hear this. Why is she here outside of a diversity quota? That's exactly what it is. They're trying to take away from the fact that, well, we don't have Cavill here, so let's just put someone from Krypton here and see if they work with these two. I like the choice. You do? Yep, I do. The reason it, in, and I know Matt knows this, Carrie, you don't. In Flashpoint, it was Superman was captured. He's kept by the Russians under this Red Sun room, so he's permanently depowered. And when they bust him out, he's all looks like her. She's, you know, he's withered and nothing. But being that she was also supposed to interact with Batgirl and everything else, I liked the I liked the future that they were building to. And I'd rather see if Henry Cavill is going to show up again, I'd rather it be in a Man of Steel 2. I didn't need him camoing in this one, if it, especially if it was going to be an alternate universe. So I think she looks awesome. I think the suit is fantastic, and I think it's a good play on the Flashpoint Superman. But, yeah, I like Sasha Cali's Supergirl. I think it's one of the good choices they made. 
I thought she had, she, you know, the, the Clash wrote a song about her, One Emotion, Resting Bitch Face. That's all she has. <laughs> that's all she's given in this movie. That is all she's given. Well, she was given that, and she was given the entire press tour to do on her back instead of Ezra Miller. She was the only person out to impress for this movie. And the, the, the reason why, like, if you're going to bring General Zod back, then it makes more sense for this to actually be Superman so he doesn't break his neck this time. I'm more on Matt's side on this. I didn't think she was that great. I thought she had that one motion that was it. She's here to fill the quota. And that's exact, That was exactly my thoughts. That's exactly my note as I was watching this was she is here just to divert from the fact that we don't have Henry Cavill here. Let's get someone from Krypton. Let's get someone with these superpowers. We can have this big fight. But, she, but that's a character that everybody wanted since Man of Steel because in the ship there's two pods. You see one's open. So everybody was waiting for Supergirl in this universe anyway. At least we have the TV show. Until, season, <laughs> season one and two, that's it. Yeah, until they ruin, they ruin that shit. That's a pattern with the CW shows. They start out good, and then they go on too long. Yeah. Arrow, The Flash. The only one that did it was Black Lightning because it didn't last that long. It didn't last long enough, <laughs> and Superman and Lois are going to end before it could get there. Which is amazing, because you look at some of the long-form DC shows. Sorry, Garrett, we'll get back on track. You look at something like, no, you're fine. You look at something like Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is wacko and absolutely amazing. Swamp Thing, unacceptable. That thing got one season, and it is a phenomenal show. And those things, you're talking anywhere from 10 to 40 to 80 hours, you know, in longevity on some of these. But they can't put together a two-and-a-half-hour film. It's mind-boggling. The few episodes I saw of the Melissa Benoist show, I really liked. So I definitely yeah. want to get into that. Season one and two are pretty damn great. We're hearing Kara introduce herself and say that her and Kalel are from Krypton, and then the guys, they rescue her from the facility. Barry tells Supergirl that a lot of humans are dicks. No kidding. As she flies away. <laughs> yeah, I got not, the script's not giving me anything to do, so I have to leave the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got go to go film my Batgirl scene so those could, those could be given back to the freaking uh, IRS. Is she in that? Was she in that, too? She was, was so, so was Michael Keaton was a big part of it. Really? Oh, yeah. He he was major. Yeah. They should have had a card come up say, Poochie went back to his home planet. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce goes on about how he lost his parents and has been fighting crime to atone for that and offers his help in getting Barry to do the same. We cut the Supergirl around a bunch of Kryptonian ship where Zod and Fiora, who we'll be talking about soon enough in Man of Steel, are in the midst of a fight. Barry asks Bruce to recreate his original accident, which almost kills him. As Kara, she takes him up to the lightning so that he can be struck again. I'm trying to think. There's been other movies where they have to recreate the accident to get their powers back, but I can't for the life of me think of what, what I was thinking of. What the fuck was it? It'll come to me, but I, this whole... I feel like the movie is stalling. Yeah. It's like everything is happening, but yet nothing is happening. Yeah, we're running in place. Yeah, like, this movie's the equivalent of the cosmic treadmill, where it's, like, it's moving, but it's not fucking going anywhere. Like, it's crazy. Like, this is a scene. I knew the scene was coming. I've seen this two different ways. I've read it two different ways. And when he says that he doesn't have his powers, I know they're going to recreate it. I know exactly how it's going to happen. The only thing that made me smile was the bat kite. Yeah. <laughs> that just that seems weird. so ridiculous. Like, that was a bat that was a 66 type of freaking bat kite. <laughs> it, should have had a label. it should have had a label on it. 
They start suiting up as Supergirl reminds us for the 10th time that her symbol not only means hope, but it's also a symbol of her beautiful people. It also means, hey, look how this is cut right around the shape of my breasts. Yeah. Like, Jesus. <laughs> they do not have female designers on some of these outfits. Like, it looks they amazing. Sure don't. And I know she praised it looking androgynous. Yeah, she's been uh, she's been in the press really praising it a lot. Like, yeah. it's a great suit. It is not androgynous because that S logo, like, cups the bottom of her breasts. It is Power Girl freaking would say, holy hell, that's obvious. Yeah. Garrett Power Girl has a boob window. Okay. All right, thank <laughs> you. Sorry, Matt got Power Girl is also a nickname that Supergirl has. When asked if he's going to join in the fight, Batman responds with, You want to get nuts? Which, I don't know. I guess that's good for a little bit of a nostalgia trip, huh? Context is everything. Yeah, I agree with you. That, that's like in Star Wars where they keep saying, I have a bad feeling about this. Where it's like, can you just fucking stop? There's other sayings in your vernacular, for God's sake. We see Barry start filming Supergirl out flying outside the bat plane because maybe his kids are going to want to see it. Well, that's not creepy at all. No, no not at all. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> going to stalk her, kidnap her, break into her home. No, oh, not at all. Jesus. Supergirl takes care of a missile that humans fire at them as they all land, and the fight is on. Two flashes. They come up with an idea to disarm the Kryptonians. As we get a "Hello Barbie, let's go party" quote. Yeah, Bar- the Barbie movie is not using the Aqua song, but somehow they got it. <laughs> they got I it thought of it. that too. Like you guys are just you're you're shitting on um, Nolan's fucking movie coming out because that's coming out the same exact day. <laughs> nice promotion, assholes. Yeah, and it stars Harley Quinn. If you're about to kick to the curb, exactly. Another one you're going to kick to the curb. As Zah tells Kara that he has all the genetic material needed for their plan, but of course it wasn't Kal-El they needed, but her own DNA. Because they murdered a baby. Her eyes go red, and there are some explosions, including helicopter crashes, and the fight does not go well. What do you guys think about this fight? It's amazing that a lot of people kind of went down on the way the Zack Snyder film, Man of Steel, and the fights. I thought those looked amazing, and I thought it was... Really cool to see superheroes fight like superheroes. It seemed over the top. They seemed powered. This, other than a few little clips here and there, I feel like I'm watching... You know what? I just got a PS5 system, and I feel like I'm watching some of the graphics on that. It just does not hold up. And watching it on a giant screen, I thought would look good. It really doesn't. And it's disappointing that something like Man of Steel can be... I mean, if it came out, what, 10 years ago, so it was filmed 11, 12, and it looks so much better than this does today. With less. This has so many less characters on screen at one time fighting, but it just, it looks rubbery. It looks like Blade 2. That's what it looks like. At least Blade 2 has references to pro wrestling, which this exactly. doesn't have. Because Blade 2, he gives a vampire a suplex. There's nothing like that in this movie. This this was, um, I was like, it was like I was watching Injustice Gods Among Us on my Xbox. Mm-hmm. But the difference is there, I could turn off the TV or select a new fighter, because that's kind of what I wanted to do. I'm like, I wanted a Flash movie where Supergirl is fighting General Zod, and the Flashes are just running around with Batman. How is this a Flash movie? Also, the problem with the multiverse. I know Barry's not in any danger, and I know everything's about to be nuked, and I know there's no way Michael Keaton's coming back again, so why should I give a shit? i got to put this out there. Big difference between Michael Keaton and bringing back Andrew Garfield slash Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man. The difference there is that 
Toby and Andrew are used to reinforce where Tom Holland's Peter Parker is at at that time. Because Aunt May has just died. And Toby is there as the representation of, you know, his Norman Osborn killed Tom's Aunt May. And Andrew is at a point where he was all anger because Gwen died, which is how Peter is feeling, the Tom Holland Peter. So they're there to reinforce actual character progression. Michael Keaton's only here because they got him somehow. There's no storyline or thematic reason why he's here, is what you're saying. Exactly. Meanwhile, the Flashes, remember them? <laughs> they get in on the act as they're flying all around and Batman attacks the ship. Kara is then taken out by Zod as Batman's plane is hit and he takes the martyr route and flies right into the ship. But he's not taken out and Kara is not dead as the Barrys once again change time but not their fates as Batman is again taken out and tells Barry that he already saved him as he dies. Very, very Jedi Anakin-ish, wouldn't you say? What you're saying is we gotta go back in time. Yeah. Fiora attacks and is then taken out, as is Kara by Zod once again. So here's Fiora. She's she's here. But she she just gets one little fight. She's here. Well, somebody's here playing Fiora. I just can't. She she was one of my. I thought she was great in Man. I mean, not to spoil how that goes. I loved her in Man of Steel. I thought she was cool. It's the same actress. Did, same chick. Is supposedly. it? Supposedly. Yeah. Okay. Supposedly. Yeah. It is the same actress. All right, yeah, it's the same actress in the same way that Paul Walker is still showing up in the Fast movies. <laughs> or the people that, that claim that Elvis is still alive. 2013 Barry keeps trying to time travel as the multiverse starts collapsing on itself. Modern Barry tells him that he needs to undo what he has done. As 2013 Barry says that he is the Flash and that every problem has a solution. So so is this when you guys thought that this guy was going to go bad? Or what, what, what did you guys think was going on here? I thought this is where we were going to get the impetus for like the actual reverse Flash. Here's what pissed me off. As you know, and listeners know, I am a proprietor of Star Trek. So much so one of my sons is named after a character. They did a fucking no-win scenario. <laughs> this is the Kobayashi Maru. So the point where I almost put my hands in my head, I was so disgusted that they were pulling this card without a really strong reason to do so. I kind of dug that one, this little time sphere that they found themselves in. I know a lot of people have complained about it. I kind of like it. If you look when he's running, also his legs are running backwards. It's kind of like he's running on a cosmic treadmill, but he's not. Yeah, the Kobayashi Maru is kind of a good point for it, but... In this year, I've Quantumania, there's infinite multiverses, so nothing matters. I got Spider-Verse, where canon events must happen, so everything matters. And then I got this one, where nothing matters, because you can change it other than the things that you can't change. So it's, it's like, I know where it's going. I've known the entire time that 2013 Flash is going to be this dark Flash that we've seen, you know, in rare clips. Like, so I have no surprise there. And the first time that he gets impaled with something and it's permanently attached. I'm like, okay, here we go. We're going to now suddenly have him build up to the suit in the next, like, three minutes because this movie takes way too long to do everything. But then we start to see the DC multiverse, kind of, finally. But they do it in a way that I can't even say homages because they're more like insults, crisis on infinite Earths. Because they show them crashing into each other, which is a part of, of that series. And people are going to love or hate this. 
Uh, I guess this is another reason slash excuse why McKetty, you know, talked about how the effects are being bad, but this is when we start to see every version, quote-unquote, except Henry Cavill, um, of some of the characters. I can't believe they actually had the balls to CG Curse Reeve you know, into this. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting to that. Let's, let's, let's get to that. So the flashes start fighting amongst themselves. 2013 flash runs into another version of him, this time an adult version as we get flashes of Superman past. Now, is this supposed to be the guy from the 1990 series? Who is this guy? Oh, flash. Jake. Yeah. This, this oh. old guy that they run into in the, in the space time continuum Jake. here. That's Jay Garrick. That is the original flash. Okay. Not from the TV show. Even though the CW TV show had an actor, Teddy Spears, who played Jay Garrick, who looks so like this character, he had to come out and say, no, that's not me. And everybody said, yes, it is. He goes, no, trust me. It looks like me. That's not me. They basically made it look like me, but it's not me. But that's the original Jay Garrick Mm. Flash. Yeah, and the Dark Flash is Ezra Miller trying so hard to do a Ray Fiennes Voldemort impression. (laughs) And failing poorly. Because all right, so the George Reeves thing, since that's oh, the first, yeah. that that's the first one we get. I could not believe they were. They, not only did they do that, this movie released on the day he died, June sixteenth. Mm-hmm. And I just, I am so sick of the bringing back dead people with CGI. I'm at the point where I, I do think it is disrespectful, even if you have the person's or or the estate's approval. Because they look like embalmed corpses every time they show up. And th- there was no need for, to see Christopher Reeve. I thought all this was just was just gross. And then the the big one that got spoiled for me because fucking Variety doesn't understand uh, what a spoiler is. That was cute if Teen Titans Go to the Movies did not exist. Yep. Which one are you talking about? Nick Cage. Nicholas Cage. Oh, which Variety, yeah. on their home page, had a picture of Cage in the suit and said, let's talk about that cameo. And it was a picture of Superman Nicholas Cage on the home page. Well, anything to keep this movie from making money, I'm, a, I'm all for. But <laughs> that's such a fucking deep cut, though. Like him fighting a spider. Like we're going <laughs> to reference that all over again. Like we're going to give fucking Kevin Smith credence to come out on his podcast and say, see, see, I made an impact. This is so stupid. Well, and I say they got beat to the punch because T-Titans go to the movies already had Nick Cage play Superman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And I'm like, you, you've already played your hand. And look, Kevin Smith claims he has the Schumacher cut. I don't yes. know. If I don't know if you heard that. Yes, yeah, that he's seen the uncut, the full Schumacher cut. It's like a three and a half hour version. I don't believe a word he says. <laughs> Schumacher cut of what? Batman Forever. Batman Forever. Oh, for God's sake! Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, now he's you know off weed, but who knows? I think yeah. I think his heart attack has just made him delusional. Yeah, his, his, yeah I'm, I'm with you. His ninety days in a mental health facility. He's he's you know. Yeah, because it's like this. This is just. Yeah, and again. No Henry Cavill. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of crazy that of all the ones you get in here that you can't... Like, you have the footage. It's your own footage. You don't even have to do this abysmal-looking CGI. You have footage. Yeah, he for- said he shot it, right? He said he shot the cameo. Yeah, he shot a cameo, and they they bought him out to, to not play it. And apparently, Brendan Rath doesn't matter to these filmmakers. Nope. Tyler Hecklin? What- uh, I thought the first Tom, shit, Tom, Tom Welling, for yeah, Christ's sake. Tom Welling? Sake. So television doesn't matter, apparently. 
No. Well, no, they couldn't get Grant Gustin, you know, to show up, even though Ezra Miller showed up on the CW show when they did Crisis on Infinite Earth. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah. They did it. They did like a five-episode Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. yeah, it was nicely done for TV. But yeah, Ezra Miller showed up at Star Labs. Which is something else we don't get. We don't even get Star Labs in this. Holy shit, I just realized and the, that. And the only reason uh, they didn't do more Batman is because I'm convinced Kevin Conroy's ghost showed up to Warner Brothers and said there's no fucking way you're using any of my shit. <laughs> you know what? Mark Hamill showed up at the Trickster as the Trickster and threatened to beat the shit out of them if they used Kevin Conroy. Trickster was such a good band. Oh, Meanwhile... <laughs> Meanwhile, 2013 Flash sacrifices himself when this older version of him tries killing the other Flash. We cut back to the supermarket as Barry's going through it and tells Nora about the cereal not being a, that he loves not being around anymore, and his mom is also not around anymore. And he crying. hugs her, realizing he must seal her fate as lightning forms around him, and we get a sad song to lead him out. And I'm crying. Are you really? Uh, yep. And do I have I liked everything that's gotten me here? Nope. Do I know this is going to happen? Yeah, I know what's going to happen. I know exactly what's going to happen. I've seen it multiple times. I've read it multiple times. And I'm I'm not blubbering, but I counted three tears walked down my cheek. So I officially cried. And I got no issue with it. You know, I mean, shoot, I've seen my mother once since I was 13 years old. So, you know, a loss of a mother is something that hits. And... I'm reminded of this being done so much better, both with Grant Gustin and even in the animated movie. Like, both of those made me cry unabashedly. But this still, I think, works of a child losing a parent, having the chance to save them, and realizing they can't. And it it sucks that the rest of it's not done as well here, and so many issues have taken away from this heartfelt moment the way that it should be. Still got me. Am, Am I emotionally manipulated? 100%. But... It worked on me. Man, I wish it worked on me. I, these are moments that usually get to me, too. But I think just given the just all the weight that is on this movie as far as bad publicity and bad decisions, and I'm looking at this actor, I can't even shed one tear for anything they do. Uh, don't cry for me, Argentina, because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with Garrett. If it wasn't for the fact that I had to go through so much bullshit to get to that point, it might have gotten me. But it just felt like such a desperate attempt. For Ezra Miller to have some degree of sympathy so people could say, oh, he was good in that one scene. Yeah, that's a great point. And look, I, p- part of this is that I, I'm much more sensitive to male parental figures, given my own upbringing, than I am. So if this was his father, it definitely would have gotten me more. You know, it's, it's just, I knew it was coming. And by this point, I just wanted to get out of that theater. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was exhausted. I had a headache. I was beaten down. Not like I was at home with my kids because I was just tired. I, I couldn't wait for this movie to be over. We cut back to Flash's house where he sees a note from Iris that she'll see him in court. He enters the courtroom during the trial of his father as something from Wayne Enterprises verifies that Barry's dad did not commit the murder, proving him innocent. It, it, I didn't even notice that because this comes up at the, at the beginning. Bruce gives him sends him a thumb drive with video, but the video's inconclusive. I did not even catch that when he went back to save his mother, he still changed the timeline because he took the can of tomatoes from the lower shelf because it was mentioned earlier his dad never looked up. He put it on the top shelf so his dad would look up where the camera was. I was tapping my foot at this. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's wrap this shit up. I want to go home. Get the wrap it up like <laughs> Chappelle's show. Wrap it up. 
<laughs> All right, so let's wrap it up. So he exits the court with Iris, who tells Barry to call her. Bruce then calls Barry, and then, all right, here we go. Ready? Bruce calls Barry and then pulls up in a car. And Same car that we've seen before. Same exact car we saw before, but this isn't Keaton's Batman or Affleck's Batman. We have George Clooney's Batman, to which Barry exclaims, who the fuck is this? As he smiles and his tooth falls out, meaning this is 2013, Barry, as credits roll. Matt, I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it, but George Clooney being here makes absolutely zero sense, except for people to say, oh, look, it's that person from that terrible movie with Schwarzenegger. But having said that, my jo- the movie called me on my bluff. They're like, oh, yeah, you want to get out of here? Watch this. Because I, I did not think in a million years we would ever see George Clooney in a superhero movie again, let alone Batman. So good good on him for being a good sport, but it makes no sense. And it's that it's that revisionist history thing of people now claiming they've always liked George Clooney as Batman. <laughs> Even though he's in it for ten seconds, and not a single person, I believe, likes that movie unironically. So I'm terrified of the repercussions. I think it just goes to show just how much of a nostalgia pandering product this movie is predominantly yeah it caught me off guard but that that doesn't mean it's good i kind of shrugged of all the people they could have pulled out i should have been like oh my god i wasn't like fuck this i wasn't like oh my goodness i was just like huh that's a choice <laughs> and that was that, that, that was it it's crazy this movie starts and ends with batman though you know when you think about the flash movie it's wrapped in everything but the Flash just to try to get it passable. And, yeah, I mean, okay, brought out Tang. I don't know what it cost to get him, but you did it. And, yeah, I'm scared to what people are going to demand the Clooney cut of Batman going forward now. It sucks that he's dead, but this should have been Kevin Conroy. If you were, if you were going to have a Batman show up... yeah. That would have been that would have been a cool one, and I'm glad he, I am glad Kevin Conroy got to play live action Batman once on CW Flash. Like that was nice to see the um, you know that version of it. But yeah, I would have loved to see Conroy. Or just have it be Ben Affleck, but he has no idea who he is. Yeah, or it's like he doesn't, he doesn't remember that he's ever met a Flash. Yeah, or maybe Bruce shows up, but that doesn't mean his parents are dead. Yeah, or or it's, Tom, or it's Thomas. Yeah, or this this would be really crazy. It, it's Henry Cavill as Bruce Wayne. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. All right. By the way, Adam, did you just say Kloontang? Yes, I did. Okay. All right. Just it won't be that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10. Uh, is there any after credit scene, boys? I didn't get to see that in my cut. Oh, my God. Right. Adam, go ahead, because I know you, you have thoughts. Son oh, my God. Bitch. So, one, thanks for fucking... Not, not just people, but media outlets spoiling Nicolas Cage and Wonder Woman for me. But I'm told, oh, there's an after credit scene, but it's just one. Don't worry, and it matters because you know God knows so many of them now don't matter. Fucking drumming ants and shit. So I sit all the way through it. I'm waiting. I'm like, okay, here we go, post credit scene, and all we get because there's been allusions to him and jokes about him throughout the movie. We get. Arthur Curry, Aquaman, Jason Momoa, with Barry Allen at a bar. And Aquaman's getting drunk. And 
he like falls down in a puddle and he's gonna fall asleep in a puddle and he like gives Barry a ring and that's it. We get like drunk Aquaman showing up at the end and that's the big end credit stinger. The summer of Momoa continues, I guess. Like it doesn't. It, Marvel would be proud because this fucking end credit means nothing. Was he painting his toes? No, should have okay. been. That would have been more entertaining than what we get here. Like it, Matt, were you as disappointed? At least oh, go ahead, Matt. Show up as Lobo. Make that joke. Hmm. Matt, were you as disappointed? I was more disappointed that I had to wait through the entirety of the credits. <laughs> it, it Lord was, knows they're like 10, 15 minutes too. Yeah, it, I mean, there should have been a public apology at the end of the credits for <laughs> um, for, for for this movie. But, but yeah, Adam's right. This was this was a waste of time, which is a good. Uh, summation of my thoughts on the movie. <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10. What do we give The Flash? Adam, you go ahead and go, sir. For a character that I've liked when it's written well in comics, I got an affinity for the 1990 TV show because I watched it with my dad, and I really enjoyed the first four or five seasons of the CW show because I watched it with my kids. I was ready for this adaptation of The Flash, even though it was Ezra Miller. I wasn't looking forward to you know his portrayal, but I like Flashpoint as a story. I like Michael Keaton. I was excited to see what they would do with Supergirl. So I was ready for this movie. And you know what? I wish the screenwriters and director were ready to give me a good movie because they weren't. I can't believe this thing has been in production so long, and this is what they decided to put on the screen. You know when you show up for Thanksgiving, they tell you dinner's going to be at 2, and you don't eat till 6, and they still put crap on the table? That's what this movie is. We waited and waited and waited, and this thing is dry and overwrought. It's way too long. It Ezra on Ezra is the worst thing in this movie, and that is the entire like first third is Ezra after we get out of you know fake Justice League to open this movie, and it's I mean it's it's not good. It's amazing how many people are out praising this film. I just, I just don't see it. I did not see the same movie they did. The older Ezra Miller he gets better into this movie. Younger Ezra Miller. Yellow hoodie Ezra Miller is insufferable throughout this freaking film. Uh, the villain, quote unquote, because there's not a real villain, there's no surprise. Michael Shannon is sleepwalking through this, and that's being extremely generous. Uh, it, it come for Michael Keaton, I guess, but get ready to close that bat cave again right away because he's not coming back for another one. There's no reason for this to be two and a half hours. There's no reason for this to be $200 million. And. If the DC Universe wasn't already closing up shop, this would do it. The score's not great. The effects are laughable at times. It does not do what the Flashpoint story needed to do. Go watch the Flashpoint Paradox. It's on HBO Max. Pick up the Blu-ray. It is a great version. Not just a good. It's a great version of this story. That one brings tears to my eyes, and it's a 90-minute animated feature. Go watch that if you want this story, because it's done really well. This one, DC should be embarrassed with themselves, because I am. I, I can't say it's as bad as Ayer's Suicide Squad, but it's it's really pushing it. I'm giving this the classic GC. This is a 4 on 10. I could not wait to get out of this theater. That is higher than I was expecting. But lower than what I was expecting as the podcast was going on, because you gave it more praise than either of us. There's parts and, I enjoy. There's parts that I enjoyed, and parts that I could, you know. But I can't tell anybody go see this. I can't. All right, Goudreau, 
This will be the last time we mention this particular actor's Flash. What do you have to say about it, sir? Yeah, to continue on Adam's Thanksgiving analogy, this this movie is like the um, the turkey that he tries to cut in Christmas Vacation, where it just <laughs> where, where it has this you know beautiful aesthetic, and the moment you put your knife to it, it just deflates. Uh, that's kind of what this movie is as soon as the lights go down in your theater. It's been a long time since I've seen a superhero movie this bad, and there's been some clunkers. I sat through Quantumania this year, and Marvel at least has a certain bar of quality that I expect them to hit, so I guess I was more shocked at how bad that was as opposed to this. I have no more tears left to shed for this woe-begotten franchise. Nobody involved has my sympathy. Nobody that was involved in this production, I believe, should be given any slack. Because this quality, to me, is unacceptable. And this and Quantumania are the kind of movies that could spell the death of this entire genre. The box office returns are showing that there is not one uniform reason why it's not doing well. I think it's just, it's a perfect storm of shit for reasons we've, we've talked about so many times. It, it is a product. It is not a movie. And I'm kind of glad that it's blowing up in Warner Brothers' face. I do think this is worse than Suicide Squad. I think this is the worst movie in this continuity. And I'm surprised I was saying that, because I, I, had, I had some cognitive notions that this movie was going to be bad, but I was not prepared for just the level of ineptitude and flimsy-ass storytelling that I sat through in that theater. When I talk about movies that are overextended to stretch out a plot, goddamn, this is a, the magnum opus of those examples. Because this plot is so straightforward that it could be 30 minutes. This could be an episode on the CW show in the later seasons, because it's about as bad as that show got. I can't, I can't say anything that I would recommend in this. I genuinely can't. As surprised as I am, i got to give this a 3 on 10. This was a waste of my time. And quite frankly, if you're a fan of The Flash, I think you deserve a hell of a lot better than this. So we got a three and a four. Well, I have an identical score to one of you guys. And I just want to say the thing I opened this podcast with is the crux of the problems with this movie. And it just doesn't stop there. That's the scary thing is not only did they cast somebody who they shouldn't have. Not only is development of this movie, just does it take just one turn after another that is terrible. Like, this movie is the epitome of everything people say about DC when it comes to decision making. I don't remember the last time I saw a movie where every single decision associated with it was bad. Okay, bringing Keaton back on the surface. That's a good idea, but you guys hit on it. They don't do anything with that. I, I can't even root for him in this movie. He has a couple heroic moments towards the end, but there's nothing about that, those fights and him being here that make it a better movie. I think the Barry on Barry stuff is intolerable. I think the effects work is just incomprehensible. Fuck, Smallville started in 2001. The pilot of that show has better effects than this movie. They did a few Flash episodes in that show. Those were better than this. This is just terrible ineptitude and just incomprehensible filmmaking. I cannot believe how bad this was. Honestly, I, I just could not believe how I, I sat here. And I started thinking about it. And I was like, okay, is this 
quote-unquote superhero fatigue? Is this the fact that we've gotten so many of these stories, so many of these end-of-the-world stories, so many of these multiverse stories, that I just kind of turn a blind eye to the fact that it's bad? I don't think so. I think this has everything to do with the fact that it was poorly conceived from the beginning. There's nothing here to really cheer at, and the lead character is definitely not worth cheering for. This is a bad movie. Maybe a couple moments will amuse people, but to me, this is a 3 on 10. There's just... It's not a zero like New Mutants was, but it's it's up there. It's it's pretty piss poor, pretty terrible on a lot of different levels. And I'm glad I'm like I'm with Matt. I'm glad it's being spit right back into DC's face. Just awful. Okay, the Flash is done. We have more DC stuff coming up, boys. The future of the podcast. We're right in the midst of summer, aren't we? They are, and I hope this isn't a sign of things to come, because we've got a lot of new releases that we're going to be reviewing, and if they're all as bad as this, I might quit this show outright. <laughs> all right, so so many things coming up. Look, this wasn't the happiest of podcasts just due to the fact that I came in kind of negative on it to begin with. I hope I didn't come off as negative as I think I did, but nonetheless, it's always good talking movies with you boys, and until next week, this can't be happening. I completely broke the podcast. Thank you, boys. This is Spider-Verse. Your entrance was good, his was better. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Three Men in a Retrospective Podcast. I read your work. Insightful. Naive, but insightful. Join us next week for an entirely new review. Ooh. Talk about your cold shoulder. Just a note. The three Chris Nolan films are not going to be part of this retrospective as they were covered by Matt and Garrett on the binge movie aftertaste just a few years ago. Never rub another man's rhubarb. To hear those takes, please head over to www.bingemedia.net. Okay. Go ahead. Intimidate me. Bully me if it makes you feel big. I mean, it's not like you can just kill me. Actually... It's a lot like that. The Three Men in a Retrospective podcast is produced by Garrett, Matt, Adam, and Nathan. Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. Voice narration by Adam. I hate when people talk during the movie. Edited by Garrett. That miserable waddling mountebank of a bird... He couldn't finish a bag of popcorn. The Three Men in a Retrospective podcast is for review and discussion, and all clips, music, and audio cues are used as such.
many people to kill, so little time. Bob? Done. And it's funny because it's, you know, Ron Livingston. I get him and Kyle Chandler freaking mixed up. <laughs> Kyle Chandler's a much better actor. They're both the exact same stand in front of a green screen, do nothing actor. And I thought I was seeing this guy from freaking Godzilla v. Kong all over again, but oof, just a just I beg a waste. you to watch Friday Night Lights, man. Beg you to watch Friday Night Lights. He's yeah. great on that. Yeah, and Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll get to that eventually. I keep saying that. <laughs> You've said that since it was out ten years ago. I know that. Bob, done. Okay. Before this, I saw the like four minute preview for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. Say what you will, Tom Cruise can run because that's all Tom Cruise does. <laughs> but going yeah. from watching Tom Cruise running and running and running to watching Ezra Miller is pretty damn distracting. Yeah, you think he'd be better at it given how much he's run from authorities. <laughs> that might have been the best line you've ever given on this podcast. <laughs> Bob? Done. I was missing Helen Slater. <laughs> Hell, I was, missing, I was missing Laura Vandervoort, okay? <laughs> That's who I was missing. <laughs> Supergirl from Smallville. All right, never mind. Um, Adam, were you going to say something? Nope. Bob? Done. I guess you can only do it with shitty human beings, because the only other time it worked well... <laughs> the only other time it worked well was Army Hammer and the social network. Oh, God. That's right. <laughs> God. Speaking of people oh. we will never hear from again. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> with a voracious appetite. Hey, remember when he was going to be Batman, everybody? <laughs> it all ties together, doesn't it? Need a timeshare? <laughs> so, God, this fucking plot. I got to say Modern Barry, 2013 Barry. I, and I'm sorry, okay. writers. Bob? Done. And the location of the Super Mermaid, as he calls it is not attainable, so he calls Thomas Curry. Another person we'll be talking about here pretty soon. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Yeah, Where? Boba Fett. <laughs> Jacob dipshits. <laughs> um, God damn, what's this actor's name again? Tamora Morrison. Yeah. Tamora Morrison. Thank you. So he calls up Tamora Morrison here as... Bob? Done. Yeah, uh, well, there is a Batman, but it's not the Batman. That, yeah, exactly. Guys, I've had three shots, and I've had urine, like, like uh, being wanting to come out. So hold on just a second. I'll be right back. <laughs> That's a great representation of this movie. <laughs> Didn't Ezra Miller take his dick out and just pee on somebody? Like, isn't that on the list of things he did? I think he did. You know, it's amazing, because it, this is one of the movies where whenever I felt like I needed to take a piss, I had no problem getting up and walking to the bathroom. <laughs> I didn't feel like I missed a thing. I had no problem going, yep, sounds good. Eh, good time to go take a piss. I can't believe this thing's two and a half hours. Un unjustifiably two hours. I mean, Flashpoint Paradox is uh, an <laughs> hour. <laughs> yeah. And it tells the story completely. Fuck. 
especially like you got Arthur and Diana, you could have CG'd that scene and at least done something with it. Just horseshit. Yeah, this is one of those movies I couldn't believe what I was watching for most of it. Mm-mm. Something's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. Nope. Yeah, I kept I kept waiting. <laughs> Damn, you really have to pee. We've gone for a while. I know. Damn. But yeah, it's funny that they start, you know, they give us all the justice they got front, and then it's like 50 straight minutes of Ezra on Ezra, and thank God, thank God they started with fucking the Justice League. I'm still mad I had to wait for that post credit scene. Oh, my God. All when right, I heard ready? Post, I heard, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bob, done. 